This episode is sponsored by A Little Hypnosis. Sometimes it can be hard to be confident and enjoy our little life to the fullest. That is where A Little Hypnosis could be helpful. Hypnotherapy can help you freely use your diapers, reinforce little space, and age regression. My friends over at A Little Hypnosis want to help you, so for a limited time, they're giving Newsy Nook listeners $20 off your first session. Just go to alittlehypnosis.com slash newsybaby to get the discount. That's alittlehypnosis.com slash newsybaby for $20 off your first session. Try A Little Hypnosis, a kink-focused therapeutic approach to the mind. Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsy's Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to wet my pamps. I am your host, Newsy Baby. This week in Newsy's Nook, you may know the terms baby boy, baby girl, daddy, and mommy, but what term do you use when you identify as gender neutral? Plus, you've heard of Capcom, but have you heard of Baby Fur Con? This week in Newsy's Nook, being called baby boy or baby girl can put someone into a headspace, but being misgendered could take you out of the headspace. I sit down with Switch Baby to talk about gender-inclusive language in kink. It just can really switch the mood off and turn me into correction mode. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to correct you and take myself out of this scene where if I am, say at a point where I'm nonverbal and I need to be like, break that to be like, Hey, not a dude, not a bro. Please don't call me that. Not a dad, not a sir. Like, right. Right. No, it's an interesting tweet. And you're so right. You're, you know, when you're in a scene like that, you're kind of using verbiage that in some ways, I guess is a little selfish, right? You're using verbiage that you think is hot to the other person or you're assuming is hot to the other person. So my question is, what are some examples of gender neutral identities in kink? Like, like, for example, you brought up daddy, baby boy. What are the general gender neutral terms for those? Well, I would say on the little side, it would just be baby rather than baby boy, baby girl, sissy, what have you. Um, You can just be baby. Hello, I'm baby. (laughs) Um, And then on the other side, it could be caregiver, babysitter. Both of those are terms that are generally used. Um, But people gravitate toward daddy because it's like the way that they want to feel. Right, right. Is ABDL sexual for you at all? It definitely can be. It depends on the day for me. Okay. So I guess if you were feeling your most sexual, right? You said baby or caregiver, what happens if you're feeling really horny and you want something a little more naughty? Is there any gender neutral terms that you could use then? It's something to discuss with your partner. Um, I personally, I'm not a huge titles person. I, in uh, seeking more gender neutral language, I have found that one of the big answers that works for me in my sex life is kind of getting rid of titles. I think there's a way that you can in a dom-sub relationship, show respect without saying sir. I think that there are ways, both in your language and your demeanor, where you can show subservience or show dominance without it using titles or gendered language. So it's something to talk about with your partner, which I think is going to be the overarching topic of this, um, that there needs to be communication as with most aspects of kink, um, before the the session actually starts. Um, for me, I like to be called by name. A little calling you by name, especially if it's something that feels appropriate for a little to say, um, can really just do the job because it feels appropriate coming out of their mouth and hearing it like 
hearing a little talk and a little speak, but also saying your name gets gets the communication through. Right, right. So my question for you now is within king spaces right there's a lot of assumptions happening and i totally agree there should be a conversation that has before you get into the hot and heaviness of a scene but what do you say to what do you say to people who reach out to you that may assume your identity right maybe they assume your baby boy or they assume you're a daddy can you correct them then? Or do you think it's important to have these indicators in your profile so that people who do reach out are aware? How do you tackle that? It's it's a little bit of both. I I personally have in all of my profiles, like, don't call me sir, don't call me daddy, don't call me bro. Um, that being said, not everyone always reads a profile. So people definitely um, don't always get that correct and i'm i am not hesitant to correct people there have been times depending on the day though there have been times where i'm just like i don't have the energy and like have stopped a conversation there um but most days um i am happy to correct someone because i think that it leads to important conversations and hopefully will help someone else out down the line right and it almost, I would almost assume that it makes the scene more intimate if you're both in agreement, like, hey, like, I would prefer to have gender neutral identities during the scene, right? It's almost like you're, you're, you're revealing a part of yourself and it makes the scene more intimate. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and more human, I would say. Um, because, I mean, as, as a non-binary person, and I'm sure as most trans and trans non-binary people will tell you we go through our day and it's just like at work i don't bother correcting people because i just if i did that every time i interacted with someone at work i would be exhausted by the end of the day mm -hmm. um, so to then be able to come to a scene and say these are the terms that i am comfortable using this is the language i like uh being used to refer to me and having that used is one very affirming and two creates uh, an environment that is comfortable, which in role play in kink settings, comfort and a, a feeling of safety are really important. Right. Do you almost think that's why kink kink names are so important in scenes? I know you said that you don't, you don't have one and you prefer your real name, but do you think, do you think that that's one, probably maybe one reason why kink names are so important so that, you know, if you can't think of a, a boy, girl, daddy, mommy, kink names are so important because those themselves, a name in itself doesn't need to have a, a gender or, you know, a gender attached to it, right? Newsy, if you said Newsy, you couldn't identify if I was boy or boy or girl or at least i don't assume when people see newsy they they think oh that's a boy no right? i must think that you are uh about to uh do like some backflip on a broadway stage and like pedal newspapers while decrying <laughs> the man there um, you go. <laughs> but uh no I, I haven't ever really thought about it that way before but i definitely think it can be um i have some very close friends who use their pup name um that doesn't necessarily have like a gendered connotation to it definitely something that i think for other people who use kink names could be something that really helps with gender affirming language right so let's give one piece of advice for i guess for everyone right because this could apply to literally anyone what's like one piece of advice you would give someone um before they message someone should it be look at their profiles and see like, oh, have they identified themselves, if they identified their gender, or is it more of you ask it during a conversation? I mean, how, how should people approach gender identities before engaging? Well, I would say definitely look and see if it's in someone's profile, because I would say nine times out of 10, if someone is in a queer setting, especially one that is generally male dominated, 
and has pronouns that do not reflect that, it is probably shown somewhere in their profile. But whether it is or isn't, it is never a bad idea to start a conversation saying, hey, my name is this and these are the pronouns I use because then it invites someone else. Whether you use they, them pronouns, he, him, she, her, uh, some other gender nonconforming uh, pronouns or not, whether they reflect uh, the gender you were assigned at birth or not, that little like extension invites people to then give you the information that's most important in this topic. Trick question. What happens if I'm at a bar, I'm at a diaper event, this this person is snoofing my diaper and I'm really into it, and my gut reaction is to say, good boy, what do I do in that situation? Do I then stop the scene and say, excuse me, what is your gender identity? Or is there, or I think you might have already touched upon it, but I want to ask it again. Or do I say something that's more gender neutral, such as, um, actually, I don't know, what, 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 what would I say? What, what, what do you recommend I should say? So some of my favorite language in the ABDL community that is gender neutral, kiddo, squirt, sport, buddy to an extent, although buddy does sometimes feel like it leans more one side than the other but kiddo baby those are both two gender neutral words that work perfectly well in a kick setting like good kiddo works perfectly fine um if you don't know err on the side of neutrality um i i know plenty of cis male uh abel people who have no problem being called kiddo i know plenty of non-binary ABDL people who don't like being called boy. So it's never wrong to say to err on the side of caution. I like kiddo. I feel like I already used kiddo a lot <laughs> now thinking about it in my head, but I like that. How about give some advice for someone who may be, I don't want to say struggling with their gender identity because I don't want to ever assume someone's struggling with something, but let's say they are exploring their gender identity. And do you have any advice for them both exploring their gender identity and then to any advice on how they can express it more so that others are aware of it? Um, I would say the gender is a journey for everyone and it's a very different journey for everyone. So there is no one like, blanket uh, piece of advice that I can give to anyone. But what helped me a lot was finding the language that I was and wasn't comfortable with. I mean, a large part of why I came out as non-binary was the way that I reacted uh, when the word sir was used on me, because I feel like there's an inherent power dynamic and all kinds of different things. And this was in a non-kink setting. This was like when I was at work and a customer called me, sir, the, the gut feeling that I have based on that. Um, so identify the language that makes you uncomfortable or that makes you comfortable. Um, then from there, if you want to experiment with different pronouns, if you are thinking about it, tell a select group of people, if you're not ready to do it right away, um, because you're never going to know if that sits with you correctly until you hear it being used to describe you. That being said, you will never notice how much you are being misgendered until it becomes misgendering. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I didn't notice how many times I got he hemmed every single day until it started to not be the way that I wanted people to refer to me. Um, right. So that's something to be prepared for, I would say. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. You brought up sir. So I, 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 I work in a job environment that a lot of people, especially males, older males, will throw the phrase out, thank you, sir, or good job, sir. Phrase like that. And I always thought it was very like, hospitality southern i don't know why but i always just thought it was kind of like oh that's kind of nice 
Absolutely. But <laughs> now thinking about it, you know, I've kind of picked up on it too. And I use it for most of, you know, my male colleagues. Um, do you find that as someone who is gender neutral, who uses the pronouns they, them, is it something that you have to nip in the butt as soon as it happens? Because I feel like if I've been calling my coworker, sir, it's now inherent in my head, like, oh, okay, so they must, they must think it's fine. But they could be quietly suffering in the background saying like, God, I wish he would just stop calling me, sir. Um, I think it depends. Like I said, if I corrected everyone who he hymned me every single day at work, I just, I'd be exhausted by the end of the day. So sometimes it's a pick and choose your battles, but it depends on the environment that you work in and the people that you're with. I, I work a serving job with a lot of people who, um, are not in the queer community and don't have exposure to this. And, you know, when I introduced myself, I did introduce myself. I said, I use they, them pronouns I'm non-binary and just like, it didn't stick with anyone, which was really unfortunate, but it's something where I was like, I need to pick and choose my battles. These are people who I'm with for this amount of time during the day. And then after that, they are not real in my life. Um, which sounds crass to say, but I mean, I, I come home and then I go and live a very queer life. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's okay to have these like seven to nine hours a day where I just, I put up with it because it's easier. Um, and is it the best solution? Maybe not, but it's the one that works for me right now. Um, so it's all about uh, how much effort and energy you want to put into it and whether or not you feel that effort and energy are going to uh, end up paying off. Because right. there are certain coworkers who I, I could correct who might get it right after I correct them. But then there are ones where I'm just like, I could tell you this and it's going to go in one ear out the other and you're going to say, sir, to me or bro or whatever do you find a lot of these misgenderings not completely go away right like there will always be people that just it just doesn't click right it just won't click for them but do you think a way of battling this would be if everyone just started introducing themselves with hi i'll use newsy in this example hi my name is newsy and my pronouns are he him would that instead of make the new introduction instead of just saying your name, but to include your pronouns, do you think that would one help a lot of misgendering and two open up the conversation for those that do identify as they, them to then feel comfortable saying, Oh, hi, my name is so-and-so and I identify as they, them. I think it would absolutely open up the conversation. I don't think it would necessarily fix all of the misgendering, but I think it would be a good first step because in truth, um, a lot of misgendering doesn't happen because you don't know someone's pronoun, but because of the way that you actually perceive someone. Um, there have been a lot of times where people have told me, I do so much better at using your correct pronouns when you're not here. Which people say because they want it to be comforting, but then you have to unpack like, wait, why does my presence make it harder for you to use the right pronouns and it's because of the way that they are perceiving you um it's almost so, borderline like i accept you but only when i don't see you right um but so it's we as a society need to start incorporating the idea that gender neutrality is a thing um a lot of people just go through life thinking about he she boy girl um, and don't consider what is in between. And when that is not part of your life, it may not be something that you allow yourself to perceive other people as. So when I get misgendered, sometimes it's not because people don't know. It's because they look at me and despite knowing, they say, that's a boy. Um, which is, it's not great. Uh, but it's where we are right now. And so 
you know, it's, it's a cliche to say, but representation matters and it's not really going to get, it's a, it's an issue that's not going to get fixed until we have positive and prevalent um, examples in the media, uh, in our lives and beyond. Right. As an ABDL, do you find that there are enough gender neutral diapers for those out there that identify as gender neutral? I think so. I have never really had too much of an issue with gender neutrality in the diapers themselves. You just I use think, them? Yeah, I, I mean, the the big ones that I've been using lately have been Waddlers by Taika Bowles. Oh, and, okay. Um, they they have characters on them that are animals and don't really appear to have any gender they're cute uh and whatever i think little paws as well are also just like very neutral a lot of things are just like plain white mm-hmm. again neutral or like sdk's very neutral uh i think like honestly because ABD, the ABDL community has like the specific specific sissy sub faction. Mm-hmm. I think that there's been like a decent amount of branding for people who maybe men who want the more femme side, which I think is also an important part of this discussion in uh, like what terms do you feel comfortable using uh, in kink settings? Because like, this is not just for people who are non-binary. This is for people who may have like a role-playing aspect that is of a different gender or like people who want the like feminization as like a part of their fetish. Like it, this is an issue that can go beyond just like the gender expansive community. Right. No, you bring up a very, you bring up a very good point. Is stinker gender neutral? I would say so, probably. Yeah, because yeah. I love using that term. I, I would say probably. I guess the, the bigger issue is do you do you use it for people who don't like messing and are they comfortable with it? Well, I would, you know, I would have to then figure. Are you? I have not ventured into messing. That being said, stinker is not one that bothers me. Oh, that being okay. said when I am in a little space and someone like says like, I'm a stinky baby. I'm like, mm, I'm not stinky. Again, it's about having that conversation with who you're with because I view it as gender neutral, but that doesn't mean that uh, Jimmy down the block does. Do you find that these conversations about gender, about names, they don't have to seem like going over a legal document. There can be a form of sexiness when discussing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely think, especially ahead of time, if if you're having a discussion ahead of a scene, then it can feel like a little bit more rigid. Um, but I think that just whoever you're with, kink is playful, like the which means the discussions about kink can be playful too. And if you get to a point in the scene where like maybe there are questions you can ask the questions in the scene as long as it like you don't go into like some strict rigid uh like scientific clinical setting i would say people are usually happier to answer it than be in a position that makes them uncomfortable or ask the question rather than like harboring it in the back of your head. And maybe that'll take you out of a scene if you're busy thinking about like, Oh, is this okay? Okay. Let me ask you this. What happens if you're in a scene and you correct someone on your, on your gender identity and they just keep doing it. They're not getting it. What do you do in that situation? Well, I mean, I'll correct them until it feels like it's a lost cause. And then, like with most things you determine whether or not it's worth the effort and then if it's worth the effort to keep correcting them great if it's not then you have the option of saying hey we're done here or saying you're having enough fun that you can kind of put up with it that being said i don't think 
in most cases that just you know grinning and bearing it um is the right way to go about it at least for me um because at the end of the session i'll be like that felt bad um and i would rather my sessions feel good right no i think i think you're i think you're touching on something that a lot of people need to hear you know they're you work so hard getting into a scene, right? Like first you have to find the person, then you have to agree on terms and then you have to meet if you're so lucky to meet in person. And so there's all this effort that, right, right. There's so much effort that goes into playing with someone that I could totally see how someone who's like, Oh, why aren't you getting my pronouns right? Or like, why aren't you gender? Why, why aren't you identifying me? Right. And I could totally see them, brushing it off is like, all right, I guess I'll just keep going on with the scene. But you're right. They, they, if you do feel uncomfortable in a scene, and even if it is regarding pronouns or your identity, you should have every right to end a scene, even if you put in all that effort. Yeah, consent uh, is not like a one-time given thing. It can be revoked at any point. Um, and in most cases, should probably be checked in on several times. So if you choose to revoke consent, whether it's based on something sexual or based on like, hey, you're not respecting me and like the identity identity that I have put forward. You have every right to revoke consent. Right. It's just like the T analogy. I don't know if you've ever heard the T T analogy on on consent, but basically you can you can change out the word T for whatever you're consenting to. So if, if if I offer you tea and you said yes, and then when I brew the tea and I hand it in front of you and you say, no, thank you, I don't want the tea anymore, I can't shove the tea down your throat. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Switch, for coming to Newsies Nook and talking about gender-neutral identities in kink. Thank you for having me. This week in Newsies Nook, furries have their own conventions, and now baby furs are about to have their own. I sit down with Nacho to talk about the upcoming Baby FurCon. Well, thank you, Nacho, for coming to Newsies Nook. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So we're talking about your event, Baby FurCon, which is coming to Santa Cruz in October. And I thought it was an interesting event because I'm not a furry, but I see a lot of conversations of furries and baby furs not getting along so is is that what this con is about is that it's like a safe space for baby furs to just baby fur out yeah absolutely so we we started out originally doing um baby fur events um at existing furry conventions Mm. and what ended up happening is we just had such an overwhelming demand of the amount of baby furs and the amount of just there's a lot of baby furs out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really, really realized we could we could spin it into its own specific convention. Nice. And so, out of curiosity, so what can you do? Out of, like, what can people expect if they're if they want to go to this baby fur con? What do you have planned for them? Yeah. So I think the big thing uh, between like going to a normal furry convention and going to our convention is that um, the baby furs at a regular furry con, it's very much underground, right? So you'll have the kigu on and then you'll be wearing your baby outfit underneath and then you'll get to a room party and you'll open up your pajamas and suddenly, you know, you're diapered and little and, and that sort of thing. And what we really wanted was just an immersive experience where you could be wearing, you know, your diapers and short alls fursuits and all of that sort of stuff and you can be anywhere you want um, all throughout the hotel versus having to constantly like sort of dress up um, you know to meet the con dress code and Mm -hmm. then take off stuff and and go between room parties we just wanted people to be able to roam all around the property and be their you know their best little selves I like that really quick though for those that don't understand why in your opinion do you think there is a you know, you, you kind of described it as, you know, at regular fur cons, you have to cover up or hide. Why is that? 
So a lot of the regular um, furry conventions are not um, adult only events. Most mm. of them allow minor minors, like all ages. Got so it. I think that's a large part of it. Um, you know, and then, and, and then the, you know, the furry fandom, um, I know it's just, it's just a different event, right? Furry cons are not specifically kink events and, and not everyone is into diapers and ABDL and, and that sort of stuff that's, that's in the furry fandom. Got it. So this, so your event is actually, you know, this is, if you're a baby fur, you get to, you get to go balls to the wall. You could, you can baby fur out as much as you want without having to hide it. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. You did bring up one term that I have no idea what it is. What what's it called that that furries wear? Oh, uh, uh, a kigu. So kigu, it's like the Japanese pajamas. Okay. And I forget what it's short for. It's like ki- kigurami, or I'm gonna totally say it wrong. And all good comments. Uh, it's like this is what it actually is, but essentially they're cute like animal pajamas. That's so cute. I want to, I think I've seen them at raves. Yeah. They're super, super popular and they hide your diaper um, very well. It's it's perfect rave gear. Very cool. Let's go into, you know, for example, this event sounds really interesting and coming off of Capcom, I just want to just go to every single event now. Um, Is this event open to, let's say I'm not a baby fur, but like, I think this is kind of cool. Or let's say I'm a raver who likes diapers and I have one and I'm like, I can wear my rave Kigu to this event. Is it, is this event just for baby furs or is it open to anyone? No, it is for all age players. Mm-hmm. So while it's origins, we're creating a safe space for the ABDLs within furry. Um, we, we are absolutely open to, you know, really the commonalities is, is diapers. <laughs> got it so if you love diapers right. you can go you love diapers or you love people who are in diapers right you're a mummy your daddy caretaker um you know we're really an age play um event very cool all right let's talk about programming so let's say i buy a ticket what kind of programming or events can i expect at baby Furcon? yeah um so for programming Let's see. I think the most exciting thing is that we are buying out. We're doing a private rental of the Santa Cruz uh, beach boardwalk. So yeah, that's, that's, that was really, really hard to pull off and something we're really excited about because you will get to relive that, you know, those childhood moments of going to the carnival and, you know, mini golf and riding on the carousel and you will get to show up in your diaper and onesie and short alls as your little self and get to ride the carousel again, um, you know, right, right on overlooking the Pacific ocean. Uh, I think that's just super, super cool. Wait, are you telling me that I could wear, let's say I just want to wear my diaper on the boardwalk. That is, are you saying that's possible? So we're going to, we're going to ask people to be a little more dressed up. So sort of like what you would bring your, your toddler in public, right? So you typically won't see just a diaper, you know, um, and, and t-shirt, you'll typically see like short alls or other sort of cute cubby clothing, but as long as you have a onesie and it's like, it's going to be a, a, a private buyout. So if you want to wear a diaper and onesie, that's, that's totally fine. But, but that's still really cool that you have a whole space on the boardwalk that you can just little space out or, or, or furry out a little bit. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're super excited. So that sort of sets the, the tone for the con. That's the first, um, that's actually the pre-event. That's going to be the night before okay. on the 5th of October on the Thursday. Got it. Got it. What, uh, what other uh, programming events do you have planned throughout the weekend? Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so you'll, so you'll get to the hotel. Um, it's a, a whole buyout. Um, and the, the first thing you'll see is you'll walk through the hotel. And, you know, you'll probably see some diapers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's probably going to be some panels and some, classes and things relating to um you know furry art and and abdl um and all of that sort of stuff um but we have this giant pool in the center of the hotel and so if you've been to capcon we're we're sort of going to be sort of very similar energy of capcon but imagine like it's summertime because october in santa cruz is actually like the warmest time of year in in california 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so giant big pool party, water gun fights, um, all of that sort of stuff. Oh, very cool. So we talked about how like diapers are the commonality. Let's say I am a regular furry, right? Maybe I haven't explored my baby fur side. Can can regular furries that aren't that are just curious about diapers go? They, they, they can absolutely go. Um, I will warn them that this might be a little intense. If you are a regular furry and you are curious about baby fur, this is like going to be baby fur Mecca. This is going to be the, the biggest baby fur event. So it's, it's going to be very diaper forward. So um, while everyone is welcome, um, you know, you just want to be prepared that um, it's going to be a very immersive experience. Got it. Got it. So let's go, let's go into like the more of the specifics. How much are tickets and are they on sale now? Yeah. So tickets are on sale now. Um, They start at $150 and then they go up. We have a couple different tiers. So there's a a higher tier that includes um, a con onesie and a a squirt gun. And then there's a higher tier that includes um, bottle service at our Mm -hmm. cabanas. Uh, which is, you know, exactly how uh, bottle service would be at a, at a baby event. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to serve it like in, in baby bottles? Well, of course. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. So one of the, one of the neat things is our hotel is a, uh, a luxury hotel, which is a little different than a lot of cons. Uh, and that's simply because we were, we were looking for smaller hotels with convention space what we ended up finding is um, those turned out to be all like wedding venues. So this is the kind of hotel, like when you go to the lobby, they hand you a glass of champagne when you check in. It's actually a really, really neat property. And the hotel is totally like, sure, we'll serve your drinks in baby bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin any of the magic and surprises, but um, you know, I will say I've been, talking to companies in China about how to order, you know, 10,000 sippy cups. Um, That's so cool. It's going to be neat. It's going to be really neat. Like because it's a, you know, a a high-end wedding hotel, they're used to doing, you know, all sorts of crazy requests and, and that like, right for weddings, people want all sorts of fancy things. And so the staff, they're all really excited because it's, it's, you know, it's got a really great theme. And, you know, while our requests are um, maybe a little different than their other guests, it's it's not out of the realm of, of possibility to what they can do. Very cool. All right. So that covers the tickets and the tiers. What about hotel rooms? How much? So I'm guessing it's just like Capcom, right? Once I buy a ticket, you'll send me information about the hotel and it, it's all private. So the public doesn't know. Um, how much, how much do hotel rooms usually go for ballpark? So the range? hotel rooms, um, they, they, I think they're around $239 a night. And there's Got a it. few rooms that are slightly less and a few that are slightly more, but 239 was the average rate. Got um, it. and we're just about, we may actually be sold out of hotel at this point. Uh, we had a lot more people register than we were expecting. Okay. And what we what we did so we tried to encourage people to room together, and we you know we didn't want the hotel to like instantly sell out in thirty seconds. So what we did is we had an add on where for a hundred dollars it would guarantee you a hotel room um, at the the host hotel. And then we didn't think those would sell out as quick, um, but they did. Uh, so now we have we're we're going to open our next wave of hotel rooms. I think it's. It's either April 9th or 10th. Um, we'll be we'll be sending out a post on on social media, but um, there's not not a whole lot of hotel rooms left. Um, the good news is is that there are three properties that are within one block, like literally a four minute walk away. So if you can't get in in the host hotel, we can get you a another room um, super super close by. And because it's it's Santa Cruz. You know, you can you can walk down the street in Santa Cruz wearing a onesie and short alls and looking like a giant baby, right? This isn't Texas or something where you're going to get people, you know, outraged and freaked out. Santa Cruz is one of those like keep it weird kind of cities. Yeah. So we're yeah. we're super excited about that. That 
Got it. Yeah. So, so if you want to go and you buy a ticket and the host hotel is sold out, don't worry. It sounds like there's like three overflow places you can go. Yes. And so what, and once you buy your ticket, we'll tell you exactly where the convention is, which overflow hotels there are, and we'll, we'll help you with all that stuff. Got it. So I, I know at Capcom, when I was talking to people, one thing they really, really loved about the hotel takeover was that they took extra security about covering the windows and like you couldn't go into the hotel because there was like a security guard at the front door. Is Baby Furcon going to have kind of like that same privacy vibe? Yes, yes. Um, we won't be to quite as much of an extreme. Like I know one of the things that Capcom did is you, you, you had to wear like vanilla street clothes when you left the hotel. Mm -hmm. um, in our area in Santa Cruz, like we talked to our hotel and, um, basically said like, so what happens if people are wearing baby clothes before the takeover? And they looked at the photos and they looked at the stuff and they went, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, no problem. And we were like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keep it weird, Santa so, Cruz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's super exciting. Um, but the, the whole hotel um, has a fence that goes around it. So oh, okay. you, there's only one way in and out of the parking lot. And we're going to have like our, you know, rent to cop security dude checking the diapers and making sure you're, you're actually here for baby for con kind of at the gate when you come onto the property. And, and I, I know we've gotten this question because a lot of people have seen the video and they've seen that the balconies kind of look out onto the, um, um, onto the property and are kind of wondering about privacy and security. Um, there's really only, so one, one street of the hotel, there's a, like a courthouse and there's like this kind of park, so there's really only one street that like actually faces the public. Mm -hmm. And then you have to, from, from standing there, you have to look through a fence, past trees, past the entire parking lot, past the pool, and then to the hotel building. So it's, you can make out people, but it's really hard. Like if someone's standing there in just a diaper outside their hotel on the balcony, you're not going to actually be able to see that from the street. You're really just going to make out that there's a person maybe. Got it. So if it's that kind of, makes sense, it's kind of secluded. If you're looking for seclusion and privacy, you'll you could get that at this. Yeah, time. yeah. Very cool. Exactly. So of course, because it is a baby for con, there are going to be diapers everywhere. Can we talk about? Are there diaper changes areas? What do I do if I change my diaper in my hotel room? Do you have all that kind of logistics figured out? Yes, we got we got a wonderful trash contract to haul away all of the diapers. Um, we're going to have bins on all the floors. Uh, the hotel was very excited. They said they were going to set them up in specific places so that they they wouldn't look. They were very worried about the aesthetics, so they didn't want the overflowing bin. And they were like, we're going to have our housekeepers change out every hour, um, all of that sort of stuff. And so, that, so they're all ready for um, they're all ready for it. And we'll definitely have changing rooms. So people, especially like if you come from the overflow hotel, you want to be able to get Change changed there. when you, when you get soggy. Very cool. All right. And then, and then last part, uh, let's talk about pictures, right? Everyone loves to take pictures, but at Capcom, they covered your camera phone when you were in the common areas. What's your policy at uh, baby for con? Yeah, we're, we're going to do the same sort of thing. We're going to do the camera covers and just, just for people's privacy, right? Because it's really hard to get into full baby mode when you're worried about becoming the next TikTok sensation. <laughs> don't, we don't want that, right? right. Um, now, of course, like for, the furry fandom is really into photos because it's all the cute costumes and all of that. So we're going to try to find a middle ground and we're going to try to set up maybe like a separate room where photos are allowed and then have someone with the security stickers. Oh, very cool. Like a photo booth or like a photo. Yeah. Area. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out exactly what that will look like, but we want to have some areas of the con where you're allowed to get photos and it's, it's okay. And it's clearly labeled and everyone knows, you know, this is the photo area. And then of course the, the majority of the areas would all be um, no, no photography. Very cool. So an idea or a question that popped in my head just now is I just realized there's not really a whole lot of diaper cons in general on the West Coast, right? Like we, I think the biggest just diaper one was West Coast Jungle, Jungle Gym in like the LA area. So 
I'm guessing if you become very popular, you're going to get a lot of diaper people on the West Coast. So my question to you, let's say I'm, and you said all diapers are allowed, but let's say I'm like a middle, right? Like maybe I just like t-shirt diaper vibes. Yeah. Do you think I would, do you think I would have a good time at Baby Oh, Fricon? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. We have a whole bunch of people on our, our staff that are putting together fun things for middles and I you know like we've been talking about retro arcade games and yeah, we'll have lots of activities. It's it's gonna be all ages because there's there's you know, yes, it's baby fur con and the, the word baby is there, but really it's it's all elements of age play. I'm very excited because I wanna say I think you might be like one of the only cons for diapers on the West Coast. Yeah, it was really sad to see West Coast Jungle Gym um I guess stop stop doing their event. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think yeah, I think we're gonna be for now anyway, we'll be we'll be it. Hopefully hopefully there'll be more events coming out. Cause it seems like we need them. Can your diaper hold it? Can you absorb all these babies that are gonna come to baby for con? Oh man, it's we we're gonna be at capacity. We're gonna need a few stuffers, that's for sure. A little few stuffers. All right. Yep. Let's say let's say someone's listened to this conversation and they're like just on the fence. They're just like, oh, I really want to go, but I don't know. What advice do you have to those people that may be like a little nervous about going? Yeah, I mean, I would say just do it, right? Like life life is short, and this is this is gonna be the most interesting thing you've ever done. Even if you don't like diapers, you know, I think just the energy of the people. Because people get to be their, you know, their true selves. They get to wear every, you know, wear whatever they want in a completely judgment-free area. Um, it's just, oh, it's a really amazing energy, right? It's a very open and accepting community. You, you don't need, you know, there's no, like, you don't need to do anything to become a member. You just, just show up, have fun. Even if you've never worn a diaper before, I promise you, you will, you will, uh, you will get to try everything and you'll have a wonderful time. Yeah. I'm super curious to see if you'll get any, like just furries that are kind of like curious, like, Hmm, maybe this diaper thing isn't as, as, as weird as I think it is. Oh, I, I am sure we will like, uh, gosh. So I have, I have a giant ball pit at my house. Oh, how and, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a big, it's like 10 feet by 10 feet, and it's like four or five feet deep. We mm -hmm. actually had to have the house structurally reinforced by an engineer to hold the weight of like all the giant babs jumping into this ball pit. Okay. And so like I did a New Year's party for the, just for general furs, um, 125 people came. Wow. Just crazy party. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And in the ball pit room, there's like a big sign that's like, you know, if you want to be in the ball pit, you have to wear a diaper. And if you don't have a diaper on, just ask a baby fur. And the number of people who were like, well, I'm not into diapers, but I guess I'll try it. Um, so we see that all the time. And it's it's quite hilarious because there's a lot of people that are sort of curious and, you know, they try it out. And they're like, this is actually really fun. It's just like, you know, it's neat. It's I think we're seeing like more and more. I kept joking over the pandemic. People either like had a baby or became a baby. It just like, oh my God, seems yes. like yeah, yeah. Yes, 100%. Either either had a baby or became a baby or explored their baby side hardcore and discovered yep. more things they enjoyed. Because it's, you know, life is stressful. And to get to just kind of go back to, you know, childhood times and not be worried, you know, not be stressing about bills and other commitments and just get to be little and silly and loved and cared for and cute and cuddled. It's just wonderful. It's a wonderful stress relief. So Baby Furcon is put on by your nonprofit PASI. One, can you describe what does PASI stand for and kind of describe, <laughs> kind of talk about the uniqueness of a con being put on by a nonprofit? Yeah. So we, we founded it uh, is Partnership for Artists and Creative Individuals, Passy. which is, is sort of cute because the initials are PASI. And yeah, it's a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. And what's kind of neat is in our, our bylaws, our articles of, of organization, um, we've spelled out that no one on our con staff is paid. It's all volunteers that put together our events. 
Got it. So it's all very transparent. So if there was ever like a, oh, they're just trying to line their pockets. Like, no, we are a, we are an yes. entity that yeah. physically can't. Correct. So like when you see the tickets and you're like, oh my gosh, that's like a ton of money. Those greedy. No, no, it's, it is, it is not that we don't make anything. We, we are taking every single dollar that gets put into the event to just make the event bigger and better and, you know, littler. <laughs> Very cool. And then also you were, we were talking about before the interview, how if people want to support you, they can actually make donations and because you're a nonprofit, they can be like matched and all that. Yeah. So because we are a 501c3, we have a, uh, an account with a thing, I forget what it's called, but I think it's called Benevity. Okay. So a lot of employers, there's like 500 plus organizations. Like if you work at a tech company, if you ask your HR about donation match programs, oftentimes um, your employer will match a donation that you make to partnership for artists and creative individuals. Oh, very Just cool. Hopefully not too baby sounding. <laughs> so if you totally wanted to like support you and all that, you could totally go to your employer and be like, hey, I would like to make a donation to a nonprofit and that and it wouldn't be weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's all tax deductible. Very cool. Give it to me one more time. When is Baby Fur and where is so it? So Baby Fur Con is October, October 69. It's nice and easy to remember. <laughs> October 6th to 9th. Nice. In Santa Cruz. In Santa Cruz. And the highlight that I'm just going to put out there one more time, you get to be a baby on the Santa Cruz boardwalk. Where else? When else are you going to be able to do that? Right. That That is going to be so much fun. Like, I, I just can't wait. That's so cool. Stuffies and all. And yeah, it's going to be wonderful. Very cool. Well, thank you, Nacho, for coming to Newsy Snook. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. And hopefully we'll see you there. Maybe. Bye. So you may have heard that I was recently accepted into Brositter's School for Diaper Boys majoring in Hymbology and minoring in Chastity. Before starting classes, I shaved myself completely, and I've been really trying to focus on my workouts, and man, my sex drive has been through the roof. If you need the proof, go check out my Twitter. <laughs> Um, does this happen to anyone else? I used a cream to go hairless, so I'm waiting until my skin doesn't feel so sensitive to put the cage on. And so I want to go at least 30 days in chastity uh, before EDC, which is at the end of May. And I really want to be more consistent in my workouts, my nutrition, so that I can become a big, full diaper himbo who just goons in his diapers. Ugh. All right, kiddos, I am drooling over this idea. I need to go put on a diaper. See ya. Bye.